Hi, everybody. It's Jean Nathan. This is Crosstown Conversations with news about New Orleans that counts about our economy, our environment, our culture, and some occasional politics. Thank you for joining and enjoy the show. This is Jean Nathan, and uh, I am so excited about what happened today uh, that I uh, couldn't resist getting uh, Councilman uh, Eugene Green to come and tell us about it because I, I'm in I'm still in total uh, awe of the fact that somehow somebody was able to wrangle seven million dollars for our community organizations involved with youth and other community issues, culture bearers, people working in the creative industries. I mean, it's just a miracle because we we are so not getting the kind of money that other cities put aside for, especially the smaller cultural organizations. Of course, that's my particular interest, as you know. So uh, to find, you know, when I first heard about getting the grant, I was thrilled. But then I would say, wait, where did this come from? And then somebody said, oh, so that money came from Caesars? No. Um, sometimes no. people just kind of look for something like that. But no, they don't give us $7 million a year. That's not their lease. The bottom line is that there are operations of the city. Yes, we could be using it in some area, but at the end of the day, we budgeted it as part of operations, just as we would budget if we were going to try to fix some streets. So it is important, uh. Gene, to recognize that the money was taken where there were choices for it to be somewhere else, but we recognize the value of culture, the value of recreation, the value of our those who have really promoted the city of New Orleans and also have helped work with you. As you were there and heard, I was very focused on working with the young people of our city because, one, I want them to stay right here in New Orleans and do well, but also, two, because it's a worn out and trite phrase, but we all know it, the future of our city is within the young people who are here living and enjoying themselves. And um, we did a good thing today in terms of diverting money that might have gone to something else into a very, very important area, and that's our recreation and culture bearers. Um, those who are really important to our city in that respect. So I'm glad that it happened today and glad that you were there and look forward to you sharing with not only me, but also other council members what you'll be doing. Well, you know, I, I, as I say, I, I was utterly shocked because, you know, uh, funding for the arts, for culture, for the creative economy, um, and for so many youth efforts is 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 hard to come by in New Orleans. It shouldn't be because, as you said, the, it's all about the future of the city. You say the youth, and I say the youth too. But it, it, I say the youth in a particular context because the creative industry sector 
is growing internationally faster than almost any other sector. And cities and towns and, and states all over the world are chasing that industry. And we're the ones who really completely changed the paradigm of culture in the 20th century. It came from New Orleans, as they say, in the North. <laughs> I, I keep trying to tell my Northern friends, no, that's, that's the way it's sung, but the way it's said is New Orleans or New Orleans, but not, um, not New, New Orleans. Orleans. <laughs> but anyway, I, I think that um, it, it's a, it's a, it was just amazing. I was sitting there the whole time, really, in awe, in awe of the groups, these all these small groups that normally really struggle for funds, and I'm one of them, and to, and to see the happiness, the, the gratitude of all of these groups getting a, a shot at some support when so much of the money often comes to the big guys, right? I hate to say it, but but it just does and so this was this is an important achievement on the part of the council i am never going to forget it well, i appreciate you saying that and gene look as i as i mentioned i was proud to be able to fund 20 organizations at five thousand dollars each organizations that hadn't received in many respects any funding before but this says to them that the city is behind you but as i said take that letter that you've gotten now and go into the private sector after you've done your events and your promotion of your what your organization does, your goals, and share it. Because this is the beginning of saying, look, I have a relationship with my own city of New Orleans. Can you help me? I think that you'll find people very open or more open than they have been in the past to support that. I, I think that that's a very important kind of secondary impact of it. And, um, and, and you know, I, I, I think that really, uh, it's, it's it's hard for organizations to to build the capital that they need to be competitive uh, on the national level and getting bigger donations. So one thing I think we have to foster somehow, Councilman Green, is to encourage these organizations to collaborate more because there's too many of us who are doing very similar tasks. And I think if we joined hands a little bit more, we can go after the big guys uh, that give the money, not the ones who receive it, but the Fords and the Knights and the Pews and all those foundations that that really, uh, they look at your, they want to see how much money you've got in the bank. And if you don't have enough to make them feel that you are stable, then you can't get the money. So these monies count in that regard. How, what are the chances that this will continue? Oh, no, it is going to continue. There'll be another round, I guess, application accepted over the summer. But Gene, unless there is some city crisis, if you will, or I guess there could also be political will to do something else, we're looking at this being an annual fund. Um, you're gonna see applications next year um, and we encourage people to apply. And one thing that I did say I was serious about because we wanna get results. If we see significant results and if we see that there is a promotion of the city in a way that is enhancing, enhancing the quality of life, we may see more because the, the overall arching goal is to get things done. And if we can get it done through this fund, maybe it's worth investing more. And, and I noticed too that um, your list was 
was frankly longer than a lot of the other council people, not to take away at all from what they did. But uh, it's clear that you made the decision that you just mentioned to spread it around to some of the smaller groups that never do get to see that funding. And that was that was really apparent when you looked at your list and also all the thank yous. You got a lot of thank yous today from people who really <laughs> appreciated what you did. I, thought, I want to especially thank Councilman Green. I want to especially count, uh, uh, thank Councilman Green over and over all day long. And I sat there through the whole thing because I did want to make sure that I had a chance to to get to talk to you about it because I just feel it's like it's a really big deal when we scrounge for money every day and we don't have the corporate players that many cities have and we don't even have the big donors <clears throat> because New Orleans spends more money on Mardi Gras than it does on its culture outside of floats and and uh, throws and and you know royal balls so uh, to to see this this money come through I hope, I think it will, and I hope it'll give people out here a little sense of hope that there is more of a of a recognition and a commitment to our our young uh, creatives. And and I do believe also, just so you know, that what we're going to spend the money on, we have this program <clears throat> for helping youth understand the opportunities in the creative fields and how to go after them. I didn't mention this today because I was trying to talk quickly, but in addition to a curriculum that just lets them understand all the different kinds of jobs. And there's like 12 pages in small print of the kind of jobs that there are in the creative industries. And the, and the salaries are like from 40,000 up. It's, it's not just somebody who lugs the equipment onto the stage. It's the publicists, it's the production managers, it's the marketing people, it's the development people, the musicians and the talent. <clears throat> and then in all the other fields, it's a combination of the, the creatives that are producing the work, but also the people around them who are helping to promote, develop and produce it. So um, I, I think it's just uh, monumentally important. And I, I really hope um, that we can do more to make sure that our youth are getting exposure to what their opportunities are. That's another thing. I always say the biggest solution to crime is hope, is knowing what your opportunities are and what your capacity is to chase those opportunities. So that's what we focus on. And that's what I was hearing from a lot of the groups that were up there today and that you were supporting. Well, I, I, I greatly appreciate the fact that you mentioned collaboration because, for example, I funded um, at least two youth organizations that address youth mental health needs. I also um, funded a couple of organizations that deal with youth in terms of art. And I mean visual art, for example. Yes, you're right. Maybe this letter that they'll get from me and from also the city council maybe this will be an opportunity, and I might even suggest it proactively, that they look at now that they've been recognized as an organization worthy of getting money, if they come together with another organization that's worthy of getting money, the sky is the limit in terms of private foundations and other government entities. So I think that a lot of good, you know, Gene, I think that the biggest thing that was the good today, and I think that everybody was surprised, at the beginning of that meeting, when the council chambers were filled, with 501c3 organizations that I are doing pictures of them. Right, we don't fill the city council for almost anything. At the end of the day, it said that there are a lot of people out there, and that's what I said in my remarks, 
it shows that there are a lot of people out there who are doing positive work for our city. That's right. And, you know, in a final analysis, either the community gets together and makes things happen. They can't just leave it all to you all in your official positions. You have to have our help uh, because that's what really makes it happen. And um, but on the other hand, you also have to do what you guys did today. And that is um, walk the walk. Y'all walk the walk. And um, we appreciate it. It's a, it's, right. it's a thank you. Thank you very, very much for what you all did. And you're welcome, Jean. And I appreciate the work that you do and looking forward to having a long-term, very favorable relationship with you and the work that you do. And again, I'm very bullish. I'm very proud of what I see in our city in terms of some of the things that are going on right now, getting more youth involved, getting them involved with the culture, getting involved with the recreation and letting people know that we do want to work with beyond the big corporations. We want to work with those who are on the ground doing the work. I do think that today was a very good day and a win-win. And thank you. I appreciate your kind words and your support. Let's move forward from here. Thank you very, very much. We're going to talk right next. To our next person that's up on the show today is a guy named Jason Neville, the white Jason Neville, who actually runs the Lafitte um uh, Greenway. So we, we, we're familiar of well with the with the black uh, Jason Neville, who's an amazing musician, one of the really true amazing musicians in the city. But now we have also this guy who's trying to help build the Greenway and he's promoting more use of it, but also more bicycle riding so that we sort of cut down on our pollution level. So that's next up. Okay. Thank you so much, Eugene. And, uh, yes, I, I, I haven't really done my job of communicating with the council of late. I've really been kind of working with my husband who had that accident, but I'll be back out there looking for you. All right. I look to it and wish, I wish Bob the best in terms of his recovery. Okay. Thank you. All right. You All take right. care. Have a great holiday season. All right. You too. Do the same. All right.
this is Jean Nathan. This is Crosstown Conversations. And um, I am on a roll, an obsessive roll about the trees of our city. And um, I really am concerned about the condition of of them. And, uh, you know, as you know, we had a couple of trees go down recently. And the story in the paper uh, was very... Um, uh, sort of uh, contained to the issue of uh, rainfall after drought. And I said, you know, it's really a, a lot more than that. It's, it's, it's uh, The question is, are we really taking care of our trees? And um, if you if you care about New Orleans, you care about the trees because they're a very important part of the living landscape of our city. So um, I am thrilled to see what's going on with the Lafitte Creedway. I'm obsessed uh, uh, as much about the um, live oaks on all the avenues, and I've been taking pictures lately of the ones that are dying. So I'm very concerned uh, about tr too many trees out there that are in bad shape that worry me. Um, but on the other hand, I am thrilled with the developments on the Lafitte Creedway. So tell us about them. Jason Neville, you're the director, right? That's right. I joined the Friends of Lafitte Greenway in January of 2023 as the new executive director, following up on the founding executive director and longtime Dynamo Sophie Harris-Vorhoff, who led the organization for almost a decade, I believe, and really got it off the ground and put it on the map, literally and figuratively. So I'm blessed to be a part of the organization and to be picking things up at a really opportune time for the Greenway and for the city. And one of the key things we're doing in the Greenway is habitat restoration. And that includes native uh, tree reforestation projects, which I'd be glad to tell you about. Um, so uh, when, when, you've, when, when Lafitte Greenway first dawned on your attention, um, how did it strike you? And what about it excited you enough to want to take on the job of really uh, preserving and developing it? Yeah, I live near the Lafitte Greenway. Um, I'm from New Orleans, um, went to UNO School for Urban Planning. So I'm an urban planner and I bring an urban planning perspective to the work I do. I spent about 15 years in California um, after Katrina, living and working there, doing urban planning and redevelopment and affordable housing development. And I moved back to New Orleans about a little over two years ago. And I bike my kids to school in the neighborhood and I was biking on the Greenway. And to be honest, um, I've been following the development of the Lafitte Greenway from California. And when I moved home, I was really impressed at how far along it has come. And speaking a little bit personally here, not necessarily for the organization, but New Orleans can be a hard place to live in sometimes. And my husband, my husband challenges Art Neville's uh, nomaker for it, uh, the Big Easy, and he calls it the little difficult. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good one, and, and it's true. And you know, we, for me at least personally, it it's it's tough sometimes, and in part because this picture of a of the New Orleans that I think all of us see as the the better version of the city is just beyond reach a lot of times, and that makes it really tantalizing and difficult you know if you go to some city that is has a long way to go before it could become a jewel of the, of the world that's one thing but when you're in new orleans and you see how close it is to being you know exceptional worldwide it can be an additional level of of um 
pain to see how little it would take to make it so much better. As I sometimes say, a 10% improvement uh, would make a 90% difference. So for me, Lafitte Greenway, biking on it and walking on it, I really got a vision of this idea of New Orleans that I've always had in my head as what it could be. It's multi-ethnic and connected and beautiful and peaceful um, and environmentally sustainable. So I was just, when I moved back to town, basically I was really hooked on the Greenway. And when the opportunity arose, uh, they were looking for an executive director and what I, the way I was thinking about it that I shared with the, the board and the staff when they were looking for the ED was that I see this as a neighborhood revitalization project centered around a public asset. And the fact that the front, the Lafitte Greenway goes all the way to the, from the French Quarter to Lakeview makes it really interesting as a public space, but also as a public asset that's creating a lot of value, ecological value, real estate value, um, cultural value, social value, civic value. And so the way that I see the Lafitte Greenway is the ultimate connector in the city of New Orleans that, that connects all so many historic neighborhoods. And so part of our vision for the Greenway going forward is paying closer attention to what's happening um, in the Greenway adjacent neighborhoods. For example, bicycle pedestrian connections, support for legacy residents and businesses to make sure that everybody that lived near the Greenway can continue to live near the Greenway. Um, and then investing in environmental projects in the Greenway and adjacent to the Greenway. Oh, that's really interesting. Um, I wasn't aware of that. I, I mean, I certainly appreciate exactly that connection that you're making. And, and parks in general, and green spaces in general are absolutely critical to the life and quality of life of neighborhoods. And uh, I'm originally from the Bronx. And believe me, if I didn't live near the France Siegel Park, which is not a well-known park, it was, it was kind of a neighborhood park, but very hilly, very much uh, its natural environment. And, you know, the landscape of New York, a lot of people don't think about the high points as being earthbound because they think of the skyscrapers but in fact we have a lot of i think it's called schist these um rocky cliffs that are made out mm. of a, a substance called schist which is some mm. kind of a um, uh, rock um and uh it, it was a very very important part of my growing up to have that green space right next door to me and when we came to new orleans my husband and i um, I specifically chose Esplanade because it was close to City Park. Um, I found other factors about uptown that didn't attract me as kind of a place where you can't walk out in the street in a t-shirt, I thought at the time. <clears throat> so I wanted to be in a less formal place and that turns out to be right around here. And it's very green. And in fact, our property has, I keep forgetting exactly what the dimensions are, but I think it's about a third of an acre, an unusual amount of um, uh, grounds and um, we have a bunch of Chinese fan palms that decided that it was theirs and they took it over. I had no idea that um, those those palms um, are as prolific, I think is the word, as they are. So um, and I have not taken as much advantage of the Lafitte Greenway as I would like to say I have. So um, I want you to share with me how I, as a neighbor, can both benefit more from it, enjoy it more, but also help. Sure. Well, I'm your neighbor here uh, off Esplanade, and 
I'll just tell you a little bit about my routine. I'm, I drop my kids off. Generally, I ride my, I like to ride my bike as much as I can. And the school my kids go to is in the neighborhood. So I bike them over to school. Then I bike right past your house, actually, on my way to the Greenway down Dergeois. And I hit the Greenway over by Flower Moon Bagels and Hay Cafe. And then I take it to work. Our office is on the Greenway in the Sojourner Truth Community Center on the Greenway near Galvez. So before I was working at the Greenway, I was going to the French Quarter a lot um, and to Mid-City a lot, to the Mid-City Market area on Carrollton. So I was genuinely using it to get to places safely um, and peacefully. So yeah. to be honest with you, and this is, this is I'm, 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 I'm being sincere that I really did, even before joining the Greenway, use the Greenway to get to a lot of places. And part of what the Greenway is, is demonstrated, because we're the number one most used bike path in the city, UNO uh, Transportation uh, Research Center compiles data. They have counters on the Greenway and on other bike paths like Norman C. Francis. And Lafitte Greenway is the number one most used bike path in the city with about a thousand people a day on average. Wow. And during special events like Jazz Fest and Mardi Gras and French Quarter Fest, that daily number goes up to about 4,000, which is about 15% of the daily traffic on the causeway. Wow. So lots of people are using the Greenway to go places, a lot of locals, mostly uh, locals. I, I and, do, I do. I'm familiar with it only by being a, a car driver on um, Broad Street a lot, and I'm having, or Galvez, and so I'm always having to watch out for bike riders and walkers, too. Uh, well, that's one area where we want to do some improvement, which is there are 16 pedestrian crossing signals along the Greenway at Claiborne, Galvez, Broad, and Carrollton, and nine of the 16 of those lights are broken or missing altogether. And so we want to make sure that those crossings are safe for Greenway users. There have been some uh, crashes and injuries and fatalities, especially near Claiborne, which we're very concerned Ooh. about. Yeah. And uh, so that's a priority for us. And there's some good news, which is on Carrollton, and we, we've done some media around this and it was in the paper. So folks may have already noticed it either directly or through media, but on Carrollton, there's a new pedestrian signal. It's called a Hawk signal. H-A-W-K. And unlike the ones that are elsewhere on the Greenway and in the city where you press a button and it flashes yellow next to a pedestrian walk sign, this one turns into a, a solid red light so that it's a stoplight for cars. Mm -hmm. And it gives the pedestrians a crosswalk signal with a countdown so they know that it's their turn to cross. So it's the first talk signal in the city of New Orleans. And the Department of Public Works and Councilmember Joe G. Russo were instrumental in getting that accomplished and we'd like to get those improved crosswalks elsewhere in the greenway for greenway uh, user safety the only thing i would say about uh that crosswalk and i just uh, have noticed it recently you must have put it in very recently right it's about six weeks old yep yeah because i i travel um that route a lot um and uh I, I, so the first time i noticed it i was confused by it i really wasn't sure what was going on? <laughs> I mean, I knew because I, I was so familiar with the Lafitte crossings on Galvez in particular, that's that's my route to go into the CBD area is on Galvez. I take Galvez and I go behind the Superdome. I just I have, know all these routes from my old TV days and the photographers knew how to get around. 
So um, I'm on Galvez a lot. So I, I I kind of understood that it was the it was the Luffy crossing, but I think signage would help too <laughs> to yep. to explain. And also, obviously, more PR. You probably could get one of the TV stations to do a campaign on yep. it. And uh, probably, well, I'm not going to say which station. Well, but, we, I mean, we had we had WWL come out and cover the opening of it. And I will yeah, say I'm that at first. Yeah, I'm talking about running ad. You know, you have a lot, especially this time of the year. It's not too late, Jason. Kind of a crazy suggestion, but you might actually be able to get on because there's nothing but public service announcements on right now because nobody advertises during the holidays because you're up against, <laughs> you know, Christmas uh, advertising. So you might just, you know, call somebody like Wheezy Porter at, at uh uh, in the advertising department of Channel um, Four, she's always been my go-to person for trying to uh, launch campaigns when I'm trying to get uh, public attention. But any one of them, um, I just think there needs to be a little bit more publicity out there to catch people's attention. Because I noticed other cars were sort of, I, I could tell that other cars were confused too. They didn't know whether to stop, go, why were yep. they were stopping, how long should they stop, and so forth. So I think. Um, you know, yep. uh, I'm not being a critic. I'm just uh, wanting it to work. And I think yeah. that a, more information out there would help. Yeah, it's a great suggestion. We, to get a little background, when the when the Hawk signals were turned on, the city had a different light phasing sequence than it does now. The It was flashing red constantly. And the purpose of it flashing red, which I agree is confusing, but the purpose was ostensibly to let drivers know that there was this new amenity on on the route for them to just kind of catch their attention but yeah, now and, and that, what happens is it, i think i caught that when it was when it was doing that so flash. we got a lot of we got a lot of it was i was out there myself the day it was turned on it was confusing it was also dangerous for pedestrians because cars think it's just a bro, another another broken street light in new orleans that's flashing red and they so disregard it and go. And, yeah exactly so now it's been it's it's got its permanent cycle which is when a pedestrian presses the button, the lights flash yellow for a few seconds and then turn into a solid red, just like it would at a regular stoplight. And then when the pedestrian's gone, the light uh, turns off and, and it resumes. So the light can detect. So the light system can actually detect that the uh, that the person uh, crossing has crossed. No, it just it gives the pedestrian about twenty seconds to cross, and after that, so phase, it turns back on. Right. So it's a lot safer now. Uh, but we are. But to your point, we are working with the Department of Public Works to put up signage for pedestrians. One thing is that pedestrians, because there's no amenity like that on the Greenway right now, right. people don't know to press the button. So we're going to do signage that says, hey, press the button. This is what's supposed to happen. Please continue to look. You know, Don't assume that none of the cars are going to stop because it's three lanes of traffic each way. And it's not just Greenway users that benefit from it because there's an RTA streetcar stop right there in the neutral ground. So there's a lot of RTA riders that are benefiting from this amenity too. Okay, so um, yeah, so it's a work in progress, but it's an important uh, approach to trying uh, to safeguard because you really have to kind of, every time I approach 
the intersection. I'm always just slowing up and looking. Is there a car? Is there a bike coming? Is there a person coming? And and it's it's it always makes me a little nervous, especially coming down broad because you know cars are really going down broad pretty fast. And in fact, they're speeding on Esplanade, which is very annoying. You know, I have to. Um, I I can't resist. I'm, I apologize for this, but I want to um, go off uh, uh, off track for a minute and and say something that I'm very concerned about. And uh, you as a planner may know some answers to this, but I live right next to Bricolage. And uh, yep. of course, I love having, you know, an operative school uh, doing a good job next door. Here's my complaint. You have all of these mamas and papas sitting in their cars around the building waiting for their kids to come out. And they are um, circling the blocks. They're all over the place and they are spewing pollution. And yep. we know we know from what happened at um, the cemetery at the uh, uh, at Esplanade near the park, um, all the oak trees along there were killed by the uh, tourist buses idling and running their motors. And their argument is, of course, that they would have to gear back up to get the heat and get their conditioning back up before the passengers to come back on. But also, they just want to stay in a cool bus instead of a hot bus. But you know. There has to be somewhere in America or more likely in Europe um, that they've figured out a way to prevent that level of pollution. If you look at the trees right now, the live oaks in front of Bricolage, and you look at the trees on around it, you can see the difference. They're dying again. Um, the ones that are there that are left, already a couple have come down. So... I'm very concerned about cars idling around schools and running their uh, engines and uh, uh, highly polluting the uh, neighborhood around them. And it's probably for blocks that there's an effect. And there certainly is an effect on my block because I am the next block from Bricolage. So what do you know about uh, that situation and, and uh, any remedies uh, that you've come across uh, internationally? Well, I agree. It's an issue. I mean, it's not in addition to the, the pollution and the impact or in addition to the impact on trees, there's a lot of pollution that's bad for kids too. I've seen some interesting ads in the UK where they, they uh, sort of act artist activists like tied um, almost like balloons around the exhaust pipes of idling cars waiting for their kids to pick up and made of like paper and they would just fill up and fill up. It was, and, and got enormous. The point being, you can't see all of those, emissions because they're invisible but they're significant and if you knew how if we all knew how much pollution was really coming out of that if we could, if we could visualize it we would be probably kicked into a little bit more action around it um in terms of what to do about it i, I my reaction falls into the side of my life that's you know thinks that we need to move around urban areas more by bike and the whole car pickup line at schools is is um tragic, I guess, in my point of view, for lots uh, of reasons. I would say that. I would say tragic because the impact, yeah. again, on, on the trees in the area around that school and on the kids themselves. You know what? The kids are playing in the playground while people are right. sitting in their cars running the motor and polluting. So the kids are taking in a high level of pollution. And let me tell you something. There was a guy who was the band leader at, at uh, John Mack years ago um his name was alvin thomas i think and um he got some kind of lung cancer 
And I, I always felt like there was some connection between uh, the pollution around the school and his cancer. But of course, that's unproven and who knows. But nonetheless, it, it, it sticks in my mind. I always think about his cancer. And he was a young man, a, a brilliant musician. Mm -hmm. I was great with the kids with the band, school band, and he passed away way too young. So, yeah, no, I want to figure out. I, I think this is all over the city, of course. So you're talking about. Right, I mean, you, you I mean, look at I, I've taken videos actually on my bike. Of, I don't think it was it might have been bricolage. It might have been a different school really close by. But there were there were cars wrapped around blocks on Ursuline. Right. And here's the thing. It isn't that many people. You look at it, and you go. My God, look at the traffic. It's blocks upon blocks. But take a minute next cars. time you see that and look at how many people are there. And it isn't that many. Right. Um, I mean, in front of Bricolage and Esplanade, the whole block might be full on either side. And it's about 25 cars, right? It's not that except, many. People. Except, Jason, you have to just look a couple blocks further and you will see the backup on Esplanade Avenue right. of cars going and coming on uh, uh, both the uh, 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 towards the river and away from the river. And uh, so it, it, the the stopping of traffic to let kids pass and by, I, that you can't right. stop. I mean, kids have to get across the street. Sure. Um, I mean, it shouldn't be, it, it, it's, I have looked at data on like the, the two most dangerous, the most dangerous place for a child to walk in our country is near schools. And the most dangerous time of the year for a child to walk is on Halloween night. And oh, you yeah. cannot tell, you cannot have a convert, you cannot explain why it's dangerous to walk or bike in a city without using the word car. The thing that makes it dangerous for children to get to school and back is the cars. And so they're speeding, they're idling, they're, it's, a, it's an unscalable transportation solution as we just said, you know, one person in a minivan or a big pickup truck or a giant SUV or even a small car is taking up way more space than they would if they're walking or biking. Bricolage is next to the Broad Street RTA line and the 91 on Esplanade. There's lots of ways to get there. Um, and if we can make it safer and easier for people to use bicycles and walking to get places, then you will see results. And that is what Lafitte Greenway demonstrates. The reason that we're the number one most used bike path in the city is because we're the safest place to go in the city. My wife and my wife won't bike on Esplanade on the, the she's reluctant to bike on the bike lane on Esplanade. Yes, people have gotten killed on uh, the back. Because it's dangerous. Well, here's what I would say heavy, to anybody. There's also heavy okay. use of it too. There's heavy use. It's the third most used bike path in the city and I use it. But what I have to understand as a bike dude who used to be a bike messenger who still thinks of himself oh, as a wow. brazen twenty as a brazen twenty something is what's it going to take to get everyday people onto bicycles so that they can actually take their kids to school, right? I, I'm ideologically motivated to take my kids to school on a bicycle and I like it, but I understand that right now that's not an option for many, if not most, people given how dangerous it is or the distances they have to go. So um, to make it safe, but you can, my wife will gladly ride on Lafitte Greenway and my kids can ride their bikes safely on Lafitte Greenway, but they can't do that even on places with bike lane. Here's what I would challenge anybody to do if they think a bike lane is safe. Go stand in a bike lane and have a conversation with someone in the bike lane and tell me if you feel safe or not. If the answer is no, you don't feel safe, then why do you think it's safe for a person to 
be on a bicycle in that bike lane. So those it's progress, but we need to get, we need to move the needle and Lafitte Greenway, Norman C. Francis, the Whitner bike path. Those are the most used bike paths in the city because they're the safest. And if you build safe routes, people will use them. Let's talk about how you envision the the future of the Greenway. Um, and, and I do feel like, yes, there are a lot of trees, but I feel, I always feel like there could be more. So I'm, I'm sure you've thought about that. And so I'm curious to hear um, how that might look to you in your imagination about uh, how the Greenway will develop. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, so a little bit of context, the Lafitte Greenway is the original 2013 master plan for the Lafitte Greenway calls for the Greenway to go from Basin Street, back to the French Quarter, all the way through Mid-City, past City Park Avenue, to Canal Boulevard in Lakeview, and connect to the RTA Transit Plaza with the buses and streetcars there at Canal Boulevard and City Park Avenue. In 2015, when the Greenway was built, the city didn't have enough funding to take it the full 3.1 mile route. So it went, it currently is 2.6 miles from Basin Street to North Alexander Street, which is in Mid-City, a few blocks lakeside of Carrollton Avenue, behind the Winn-Dixie on Carrollton. It just just dissipates into a dirt road. Um, so one of our main priorities is to complete the Greenway to the RTA Cemetery Transit Plaza. That project is funded. I should say Friends of Lafitte Greenway is a nonprofit organization. We are a partner with the city to um, promote and build and maintain the Greenway as a great public place, but we are not the city. And the project to complete the Greenway to Lakeview is a, um, is a city project, the Department of Public Works. It's fully funded and it should um, enter into the design process here in 2024. And we work very, very closely with the city to make sure that they are moving that project forward. <clears throat> so the Greenway is 2.6 miles right now. Once it's completed, it'll be 3.1. And when it was built in 2015, it was fairly bare bones. There was the bike path itself. There was some lighting. There was trees planted. And on either side of the Greenway from about Claiborne to Norman C. Francis are bioswales. So the, the Greenway was graded out a little bit lower and drains were put in so that when it rains, water would collect into those bioswales and go into the drains. The original vision was to build out those bioswales bio with more elaborate green infrastructure, uh, rain gardens, that kind of thing. Um, that didn't happen initially. And one of the things Friends of Lafitte Greenway has been um, leading along with our partners, Soul, sustaining our urban landscape um, is to build out those bioswales with more um, green infrastructure. So <clears throat> over the past three years, Friends of Lafitte Greenway in partnership with Seoul has built, uh, has installed, excuse me, um, about uh, 500 trees. We have a goal of planting a thousand native cypress trees in the Greenway. We are happy to say that we're halfway to our goal with 500. Um, <clears throat> I should also say that NORD, the city's recreation development commission and parks and parkways have also been partners in that work but we've got those trees planted in the bioswales. There have also been, this is, you know, something else for your listeners to know about. Many of those bioswales just haven't been maintained at all for years, many, many years. And as a result, they've 
they've grown up with all kinds of uh, invasive species like willows and Chinese tallow and weeds and mulberry trees. And so one of the things we actually just recently completed was a project to remove some of those invasive um, growth in the bioswales. So some of the folks that are listening to your show who use the Greenway a lot will know what I'm talking about because over the past two weeks, a lot of the growth in the bioswales has been cut back. And it's, it, you will, if you're a frequent Greenway user, you'll notice it because suddenly where you couldn't, there was the vegetation was so dense, you could literally not see through it. Now it's been cleared out. And the reason we're doing that is to get rid of some of those invasive trees, including willows, which are fast growing trees. They fall over frequently in small storms. They fall into the greenway. They're not sturdy. They're not what is what is best for, for the, those bioswales. And so we're taking them out and we're going to, over time, plant more trees and do more rain gardens in those bioswales. So you mentioned that um, <clears throat> live oaks are not a big part of your, your program. And, and that is what, of course, I got focused on from a combination of, uh, I don't know, just loving them from the day I arrived in New Orleans to, um, you know, watching the ones that are dying on the avenues that just freak me out. And, um, and, uh, and just knowing that they're just such an important part of the whole life cycle and system of the city. So um, is there a place for live oaks in the Greenway or are they just two yeah. with big roots and all that or what? Yeah, no, we, there are some live oaks on the Greenway. Um, they're slower going trees. And there were some that were planted originally in 2015. Um, and I should also say that in the area, I mentioned that the master plan is 10 years old. It was done in 2013. And a lot, of this, a lot has happened in the past 10 years. And so the master plan needs an update. Um, we got a grant from the Rosa Mary Foundation and the Keller Family Foundation to support our work updating the master plan from Broad Street to Bayou St. John, AKA the Broad to Bayou update. And we have been working very closely with Dana Brown Associates, landscape architects to do public engagement and design on the, an update to, the, to that segment of the Greenway. We've had almost a thousand people participate in our uh, charrettes and surveys and in-person open houses, which is fantastic. And that section of the Greenway will get, the plan is to plant lots of more trees in that segment. I'm also happy to say that a couple of weeks ago, we were awarded a um, Greater New Orleans Foundation Parks and Parkways grant that will go towards the planting of the first approximately 20 trees in that broad to bayou area. So we're really grateful for the support of Ganoff and Parks and Parkways. That, uh, and we'll be working with Seoul to plant 20 trees in the Greenway between the, most likely between the Greenway Trail and which is the bike path and the Orleans outflow canal. So in that section of the Greenway, there aren't trees on the Southern facing side of the trail. And so folks that are walking and biking in an evening have noticed that they're being uh, bared down upon by heat in the afternoon. So for the first time, there'll be trees on on that side of the trail. That is what we're anticipating. But it, the master plan update will be done in January and we'll be able to uh, know for sure then. Same. That's not the same master plan as the park and parkways for the city in general, is it? 
It is not the same. No, you're, right. you're right. It's there's so actually three. There are there's, three there's major three. Um, uh, strategic plans going on for City Park. Now I'm learning for Lafitte and also for green spaces throughout the city that is being done by um, That's right. an organization. I forget the name of the organization uh, for the, design I, I, workshop. What? Design workshop. Nine workshop. D design workshop is the design consultant workshop. for Nord Parkway for the city of New Orleans. My understanding. So yeah, there's city park master plan. There's the citywide parks plan, the big green easy they're calling it, and our Lafitte Greenway master plan update from Broad to Bayou. So it's a it's a really really exciting time for. Parks yeah, it is. Uh, I'm excited uh, about it. And and I, I, I sometimes in the past, I heard about a project that the um, Tulane uh, uh, School of Architecture was in, engaged with, or maybe it was a small center, I'm not sure which, or, or maybe both, um, that had to do again with um, uh, a wayfinding throughout the city, supporting the development of neighborhoods and, and um, assets and neighborhoods. You know, I'm about to run out of time because I've got to leave some time to talk to um, Councilman Green, uh, who just gave away, along with the rest of the council, a phenomenal amount of money. I hope you got in on that. I don't know if you well, did. Well, but... I will tell you that if I can take a moment to thank Councilmember Green and Councilmember Morell for supporting our work, doing the very things I've been talking to you about, plus a lot of our programming we haven't gotten into. We do a lot of year-round programming for families and children on the Greenway. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're happy to say that we were recipients of the New Orleans City Council Recreation and Culture Fund this morning. I actually saw you there, Gene. Uh, and like you, um, we are also going to be broadcasting to our 12,000 email and social media followers the good news and make sure that um, folks in the community know that the New Orleans City Council and Council Members Green and Morell have been generously supporting the work that we're doing on the Greenway. So Likewise, that's please exactly. Tell I, please tell him I said hi. I will. Um, well, he'll he'll hear it on the show. But um, you know, it's uh, kind of amazing because he started out the meeting saying he was really disappointed there was no news media there, and it's true there were no cameras. Uh, but when I got out up to talk, which I did because I always talk, and I said, well. Um, I just want to say, first of all, thank you, uh, uh, Councilman Green, for your support for the Creative Alliance of New Orleans, my organization, Cano. But also, I just want to correct you. You're, you're wrong about the lack of media here. I'm here, and I have a show on WBOK on Fridays at noon, and you will be on it, and this event will be on it. So it's yeah. there's a, there may be a lack of cameras, but not news media coverage of it. Um, I thank you for all this. Um, I had one last question. Um, I just wanted to tell citizens uh, what's the best way for them to connect with what you're doing, but also uh, with the uh, overall um, green efforts in the city. Yeah, they can read more about what we're doing at www.lafitegreenway.org. That's one F two T's. Yep. And uh, we're active on Instagram. We post all the time about our events. We have over a thousand volunteers come do tree plantings and wow. bioswale maintenance with us every year. So we would always love more volunteers. Um, you, and uh, I would say to get into your point earlier, Gene, to get involved in the uh, citywide parks master plan and the city park master plan is a great way to get involved in green space in New Orleans. And they can do that by, I guess, if they if they literally just Googled citywide 
Parks Master Plan, yep. they might find it. Yeah, that one is called, if I think if they Google Big Green Easy, you should uh, get the information easy. on that one. Okay. I did go to one of their uh, sessions some time ago, but it's been a while. Um, thank you so much for what you're doing, Jason. Uh, my husband is very familiar with the other Jason. <laughs> There's always the other Jason the other. or whatever that, you know, yeah. I, I'll never forget having some charming folks visit us and say, you know, that they, part of their family had lived in our house and um, that there were Charbonnets. And they told me, you know, there are also black Charbonnets. I said, no. Well, yeah, there's always, there's always the other, there's always the other Jason Neville. It just depends on which Jason Neville you're talking to. Yeah. <laughs> well, both of you are contributing importantly to the culture of the city. So thank yeah. you for that. Yeah. And, thanks um, for everything you do. Don't, don't be uh, shy about calling. Uh, when you're having uh, any kind of outreach where you try to uh, drum up interest and awareness of it and um, anything else that uh, it, it's important for people to know about because that's what we do. All right. Thank you so much, Jean. Appreciate you. Thank you. Take, Take care. care All right. Have a good holiday season. You too. This is Jean Nathan for Cross Sound Conversations. Tune in next week too. Oh,